boom, we got the red dot. Here we are. Hey, everybody. This is the Fall Line with Chaos and Company, and I am here with Angelo Ross, my partner. And yes, it's just Angelo and I tonight. And the reason for that is because it is all focused on Angelo's experience as he tripped about a thousand hours to finland about a thousand hours back all kinds of airports and i think he spent the whole week just in the helsinki airport and he's going to let us know about that but um it was a pretty impressive watching on facebook and that so we wanted to chat about that and yes he took his lovely blizzard skis over there in technica boots one of our <laughs> friends of the podcast so we want to definitely thank blizzard and technica for helping him out your stuff got there right well that's funny i took them but they didn't get there right <laughs> there. <laughs> there yeah there were there were a lot of there are a lot of folks skis who didn't show up and mine was one of them and like oh by the long story short i i finally found out where they were on wednesday and they they sat in heathrow airport until thursday and i, and I was like joking like they looked at the itinerary and they're like man it's cold up there we're just gonna stay here in london so anyway long story short i got him on uh friday morning and was able to ski him friday and saturday but uh yeah <laughs> that was a pain oh man so what did you do for skis that you didn't go on nordica no 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 i wouldn't give troy the pleasure i uh <laughs> <laughs> no i rented the, um I, yeah. I, went, I went to one of the one of the uh little shops in the village and rented a pair of head e titans which is a great ski yeah. yep. when i was skiing yeah. head product i was on that ski so it was real familiar and yeah i'd find find time on that board <laughs> they weren't as tuned up as my as my hrcs but they, they, yeah. they did the job yeah well it's a good thing you had your boots with you well yeah and then you know my my trip to finland from like when i left the house i had to drive four hours to baltimore to catch my flight and i'm pulling into the parking lot in baltimore and get a text that my flight had been delayed so like yeah. it started right away but anyway yeah so i carried my boots with me and my uh by the time i got to katilla in uh in finland near the the event it was 38 hours of travel and so around hour like <laughs> 35 i was getting pretty tired of carrying ski boots around but yeah. around hour uh 39 when i realized my skis weren't there i was pretty glad i had my boots in my in my hands <laughs> yeah that would have been a that would have been tough to get nick to come all the way over hey nick man let me call up nick's boot footing hey nick can you or george come on over i need to get my some new footbeds and right. these rental boots are gonna hurt man yeah, yeah no no so yeah I, I i had my boots with me thankfully oh that's good that's good well yeah i do want to as we start the podcast here as i did i want to thank it's been a ski season for for me coming to pretty much to a close skis are inside boots are inside and they'll be probably staying inside i doubt i'm going to get another ski another day on snow and uh but you you've still got some time on it at, at national academy so you can be out there and have the equipment shine but um yeah thanks to blizzard technica for yeah. for another great winter season and they're still with us for the whole summer so it's not like it's over but you know definitely a skiing in the east here starts to wind down for most of us and then uh nick's boot fitting has been awesome i don't know how nick goes a little while i think nick boot fit, i have to ask nick when he shuts down the shop for summer because mm -hmm. he must go right through in here i think he goes pretty much till mount snow stays open at least i think yeah i think so 
Yeah. And then, uh, hey, but hey, we'll be hopefully uh, rolling around some rollerblades here soon is kind of the plan. And then hopefully hook up with Miles for something late summer, fall to do something with him, with the crew out there. Anybody going to sign up? We'll have to see what's going on. Miles' schedule on the rollerblades roller bl- roller side. But that, that'll be uh, fun. But hey, um, 39 hours, man. Now, so where did you sleep? Like right in the airport? I mean, you tried um, to sleep on the plane, I bet. But where was all the sleeping going on? Yeah, you know what the wildest thing is? Like when you like you finally arrive at your destination after travel like that, you come to the realization that you, you've only either sat or stood for the last like day and a half. <laughs> finally stretch out horizontal. It feels so good. But um, I don't know. I, I, I caught like cat naps on planes, but I, I did end up like I rolled into Helsinki right around 1130 p.m. or midnight. Um, I, I sh- and I sh- I can't remember what day is which, but anyway, I, I roll in there like <laughs> say it was eleven thirty p.m. and I had like a seven and a half hour layover in the Helsinki airport, but it was empty, like everything's closed, and so I'm basically in that airport by myself, like wide awake because it's <laughs> seven a.m. at home, you know. And so like, I'm, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll read and then that gets old and then I'll, I'll watch shit. I downloaded on my phone. Then that gets old. So I'm like doing laps in the Helsinki airport. And there are like (laughs) six other sorry souls, like laying around on these benches, but yeah, that, that was crazy. So I I'm there all night with the opportunity to sleep, but I was like, a quarter of a day off in my in my uh, <laughs> you know my circadian rhythm so i couldn't catch a wink <laughs> oh my god that's crazy yeah. oh man and and everybody kind of it seemed like everything i saw on facebook and and all the texts i got from the crew they were all flying everybody flew through helsinki everyone kind of went there and then how far was it from there to levy well it's they're not far it's it's only like an hour and a half flight from helsinki to, to up to Kittila, uh, Kittila is the airport which is yeah. only a 15 minute drive from levy which is the resort but some yeah. people went through belgium like i think pete allison no pete went through munich some people went through germany some people went through france um but a lot of the a lot of the folks like from the eastern us ended up going through helsinki but I didn't see any of them. I I kind of expected to roll into Helsinki and see a whole crew there, but there nobody happened to be on the flight that I was on. Yeah, jeez. So <laughs> what 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 was it like when you um landed up near Levy, and uh, and what, what did it look like? And from looking at the photos from from Levy, there wasn't a lot of trees, man. No, well, yeah. So um, when I got into Helsinki, it was dark, obviously, and then I and then around six in the morning or so the sun started to come up and i started to see people and they were mostly like uh airline crew and whatnot rolling into work so we we left um helsinki I, it was like 7 30 a.m local time when we left there and arrived up to uh Kittala at like 9 a.m or something like that and like um <laughs> uh, helsinki was like having spring-like weather um it wasn't cold it wasn't snowy it was in the mid 50s i think was their high that day but man when i you get off the plane in 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 katilla and you are in the arctic and you're like a (laughs) hundred miles above the arctic circle and you get off the plane and it is like winter 
like with <laughs> drifts and like snow and cold and the whole bit. Yeah, totally different. And the land, you know, the landscape's pretty beautiful. It's mostly flat in that, like that far north in in Finland. Um, is pretty flat. There are a lot of lakes. There's a lot of water, and the the mountains are, I'm, to my knowledge, and I, I think this is true. They're um, they're left over from the glaciers. Like it's it's all glacial, like you know, rips and tears in the land that sort of got yeah. um, uh, rounded by the wind and whatnot. And um, there are a lot of trees, and they're all coniferous trees. It's all evergreens. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like that's that's a kind of uh, vegetation you have up there so it's basically swampy land with um and i heard the bugs in the summer just really terrible but um oh. the mountains are not very tall uh levy the the vertical at levy is only 1066 feet but yeah. there aren't very there aren't trees like you're above tree line and i have i have to imagine it's it's not for a lack of water like there is a ton of snow so when yeah. that finally does melt if it ever melts all the way down like the, the the soil is saturated um but i have to imagine it's pretty nutrient poor soil and the wind is brutal so it, it's it's kind of like above tree line skiing even though it's not that much elevation it's uh 1066 feet of vertical and i think the top elevation is like 1750 it's it's not very yeah. much elevation at all no and and um so after all that time of you know and and all the uh time to get there and then <laughs> i know it was a long time coming home almost at least about at the same time and um i guarantee it was worth it though wasn't it oh yeah i mean yeah it, it was that that whole experience was a gift like i you know i have to thank amanda first of all for for you know um just being cool enough with me to let me go do something like that and to, to sacrifice the things that you know, you, when you're by yourself taking care of like two kids and four dogs and three cats and nine chickens and all that stuff, it's, it's a lot of work. So I, I appreciate that from her. And then the experience itself is like, you, it's, it's irreplaceable, you know, and it, it reminds you asked me that question. And I, and I was thinking about like the, uh, um, the experience of being there versus the experience of seeing it on YouTube. And I remember mm. like, when when i left um when i left public education in 2018 i i it took me about two and a half months to really come to the decision and then i remember we were sitting on the bed and i was like i just looked at her and i said i'm done and she looked at me and said where do you want to go so we ended up taking two weeks and going to ireland a couple of months after i retired and like Cruising Ireland was awesome, but one of the one of the most like visceral experiences I had there was we we went to the Jameson Distillery, and um, when you're in Ireland in a lot of parts of the, like the rural parts, there's this um, smell in the air. It's like a real low key sulfur smell, and it's how they heat their homes. They burn sod. You know, we burn coal in southwestern Pennsylvania, and then. In Ireland, they they burn sod, but it has this real distinct, like sulfury smell. So, any you're aware of it while you're in the country, you know, and you could read about that, but until you smell it, you you can't, you don't really know what it means. But we were in the Jameson Distillery, and we did a taste test. They're they're pretty slick about how they set up the taste test. You have three three tastings, and the first is a 
a single single distilled Jack Daniels, and the second is a a double distilled Dewars from Scotland, and the third shot is this triple distilled Jameson Jameson from the from the country. And I remember taking that shot on the tour, and it tastes like the peat smells. Like it, it's even hard to explain. But when you drink it, you can taste the landscape, and it like hits you right in the brainstem. And it's like something every time I taste Jameson now, it just, I'll never be able to taste it without thinking about Ireland yep. and that experience. And that's how Innerski was. Like you just can't, you can watch it on YouTube. You can read about it in 32 degrees, but until you're standing there and you see the colors of all the team uniforms and you hear the accents and you're dealing with the, um, the language barriers and that kind of thing. And you're eating freaking reindeer at the buffets and like just everything that comes with being there. You you just, you just can't until you, if you're not there, you can't really experience it. So your right. question was the travel. Absolutely. The travel was worth it because that's yeah. just something that, that, you know, I, I hope I remember till the end of my days. It was really special. And I will tell you this, one of the coolest things is, or one of the coolest things I experienced when I really realized where I was like on the planet, the sun comes up, you know, about six 30 or 7am, whatever. And it comes up at this really low angle, but it never gets to high noon. Like when it's noon in a temperate zone, the shadow, there are no shadows because the sun's shining right down from the top. But all day long up there, the shadows are super long. And then you look at your watch and it's lunchtime, but the sun's only about 20 or 25 degrees <laughs> off the horizon. And you're like, oh my God, like I'm really on the top of this spinning ball, you know? And, and then it takes a really long time to go down and these long shadows all day long, just kind of like, <laughs> sort of like move across the snow surface. So you go outside after lunch and it's 1 p.m., but you feel like it's 4 p.m. because of how long the shadows are. And it's just, yeah, like that kind of stuff I didn't really anticipate. Yeah. You know, really. I'm watching the pictures and that, I mean, everyone's going to interski. It's big education. That, and I know everyone had that. And we're going to chat about that. But you could tell that just where it was on the planet and the experience um so many people were enjoying that which was great to see him get out a lot of the photos were of that stuff uh, not just the educational piece of you know our ski teaching snowboard teaching mm -hmm. it was and it was really out there in the land and the country and and uh more than just europe it was, i mean really kind of cool seeing stuff of finland and mm -hmm. the north near the north pole <laughs> yeah right i mean it's you know as a former ecology teacher i, I was really kind of cued into the the landscape the biome itself the the amount of energy yeah. available from the sunlight and the amount of water available from the precipitation but i was with harold smith who has a doctorate in <laughs> geology so i mean like he was my roommate and and if people don't know harold he's an alpine and, and children's examiner from maine um works with david Atatash, and like this is a knowledgeable guy and we're like you know dorking out on the science part of it and then like <laughs> You know, one of the most special parts of the whole thing is I arrived on Saturday. Sunday was a free day, but they the the American delegation led by our new CEO, <coughs> excuse me, um, excuse me, Peggy, um, 
Mike Porter and, and 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 Jennifer Simpson were given tours of the area. Like they had been there and they knew where the chairlifts were yeah. and that sort of thing. So I end up spending the day on Sunday with Mike Porter. And anybody who's met Porter knows how special that is in and of itself. That Porter's been in that area like Europe and and so much. And he's just such a brilliant person. He's given us basically a history and cultural lesson on the Sami people who are the indigenous Europeans who inhabit northern Norway, Denmark, Finland, and, and some of the parts of Western Russia. And they're still herding reindeer and subsidized by the government. They have free range to go in any of those countries because it's like their homeland, like their native homeland, you know, and and then you, <coughs> excuse me, you hear, you hear these stories from Porter and like, you start to dig into some of the the stuff yourself, and I learned that Lapland, which is what that area is called, north the northern parts of those countries, is Lapland by those by the Sami people, by the indigenous people, is 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 kind of a derogatory because um, uh, Lap is Scandinavian for for something along the lines of the equivalent of imbecile. So <laughs> they like to to use that word to a to an indigenous person is is pretty insulting. <laughs> You know, but it you know that parallels kind of the history of our country, where we we basically committed genocide against the native people who were here. You know, and and yeah. that's uh, you you learn that stuff when you're in those spots. Yeah, it's cool. I figured I figured uh, Harold would be into it with uh, his geology background and science background. So he's he's always got neat stuff about the landscape and that. So I mean, every experience we go into, we have our expectations. You know, we have our ex what we expect. Then the things happen that we didn't expect. And then there's stuff that we just had no idea, like not to, and you know, in no way we thought could, could happen, but you know, what were some of your expectations going in? And then, you know, let us know, you know, what surprised you, what you didn't expect mm -hmm. and then what like shocked you. Yeah. Um, well, I had spoken to people who had been to other skis, obviously people from our national team and, 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 talked to Kathy Brennan beforehand about like just some of the logistics of it. So what, what I did expect was to show up to these workshops and to ski with relatively large groups of, of other skiers. And I expected to not get much feedback because it's really not a clinic. It's more of a presentation, you know, based on what the topic was. So like, the, and that stuff happened. So that wasn't a surprise, but like what, one of the surprises was how few, um, how few delegates were there so when you when you go to this when you go to an inter, interski event you're either there basically as a national team member or you're there as a delegate and delegates are folks like me and Harold and uh Kathy and and Sue Kramer who was there who who pay for the event pay for the travel you incur that cost and you go as a as basically an observer or a or a participant and it was really surprising to me how few delegates were there. So my my first sessions on Monday were with the Australian team. And I roll into my first session and it, and there might have been, let's say there were 20 participants in the session. And uh, Tom Langtree from the Australian national team was leading the session on the Australian uh, technical system, their technical model. And I look around the group and I'm, I was the only person in the group who wasn't on a national team. And so it, I'm like, oh, all right, this is on. Like it's it's really, really high end skiing. And it was top yeah. to bottom and it was fast and it was precision. And I, I think in my brain, I expected there to be more 
people like me, you know, but uh, who who weren't like in a national team uniform. But uh, yeah, so that that was that was surprising, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, nothing was really shocking, like you know, like you yeah. say. But but the yeah, I think the surprising part was was how high end the skiing was and i and i know there were delegates there from the u.s and from other countries that really struggled with the speed struggled with that that pacing um and then for most of the sessions you were paired up with somebody so you're giving each other feedback and like you know that's pretty high-end feedback to give somebody you're talking about turn shape or what's going on with the you know uh, flexion versus extension and transition and you're watching people who are tremendous skiers and athletes that 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 that's uh that's a lot to ask for a lot of folks yeah well, it was neat i listened to uh george thomas had maureen drummy and uh, tina buckley on one of his and if folks want to listen they can go to the psa national website and listen to it's on with the sun cloud wherever he does the podcast right there and the, if you're a member it's pretty easy to find i think you can get on there without being a member too to see those mm-hmm. but i listen to them um, but yeah, Maureen was saying that, that one of the things when she was talking to George, she was surprised and, and in a good way, she was like surprised at how much skiing she thought a little bit more because of the presentations and that it would be a little bit more not standing around, but not as much skiing. She was like, they were skiing a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of skiing. So, so basically, and I know you, you want to, you want to get into this stuff in a bit, but like the, the on snow sessions were basically either it's going to be a teaching or a people skill focus, or it's going to be a technical focus. And it was like, you know, here, here's some input. If it was a tech focus, it was like, you know, you think of our system where we go through uh wedge turn, wedge, Christie, basic parallel and dynamic parallel. So you could do that overview in four runs and you'd have the group ski wedge turns and show them how we do that and show them what wedge Christie is and stuff like that. But yeah, it was basically like a blurb and then a run top to bottom, you know. Yeah. And 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 what most of the countries did with the with the teaching skill focus was like they basically modeled their um their fundamentals by skiing it. You know, yeah. so we're like and, and and if you look at our teaching fundamentals, we have like um uh you, you meet somebody and you you assess and you evaluate and you set goals. So like that would be the first run. But you'd ski at top to bottom, so but yeah, yeah, very little talking and a lot of skiing. Yeah, I think I think that's a cool bring back, and you know, want to pump up because hopefully uh, the PSA Aussie membership, especially the PSA part of it that I ski with and you ski with the most, that uh, top to bottom, maybe a little more skiing, we move. <laughs> I think that's a healthy thing to, to interject into what we do. Yeah, but and then you know, it, it occurs to you part of the way through that most of the people who are presenting are presenting in their in 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 a in not their native language yeah so they don't want to say a whole lot because they're struggling right. to find the words for basically an english-speaking audience and yeah. you know so you 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 get the point across and then you move yeah you know yeah, which is kind of cool yeah and, and what are the logistics for the week i thought that was pretty interesting i was curious as to because i know i know it was busy man there was like stuff and you could see you know we had i think a seven hour difference here in the east coast from you guys but you could see there was stuff going on i don't know what your morning was like when the morning started mm-hmm. but definitely stuff went late i mean you had demo runs and different mm-hmm. things scheduled at night i think from different teams but mm-hmm. i mean how did you did you know what your whole week was going to be or were you able to do it day by day or how did that work yeah, well, let, let's talk about that seven hours for a minute, because that you talk about a kick in the teeth. Like, <laughs> we, 
I rolled in there on Saturday and what I learned Saturday when I rolled in was that was their daylight savings time Saturday. And so we lost another hour of sleep moving into Sunday of all things. So it, 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 it went from a six hour difference to a seven hour difference. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, and I'm still recovering from the trip there, you know, but any, anyway, yeah, the, the logistics for me, and I think for most most of the the U.S. delegation was we most of us rolled in on Saturday. Sunday was a day to go tour the mountain. So the the U.S. delegation was broken basically in half, and half of us went with Porter, and the other half went with Jen Simpson. Um, so you get to learn the mountain, and then the structure of the days Monday through Friday it was all pretty similar. There was there were. Um, on snow technical demos that the the national teams were doing that started early, like started around nine o'clock. Uh, some started earlier than that. The, I think the adaptive started earlier than that on Thursday and so on. But so basically, if you wanted to, to take full advantage of the day, you would go over to the demo slope a couple minutes before nine. There were um, announcers on the stage from the, from the countries that were skiing. And they would basically ski what what their belief system is, and while their announcer sort of commentated for the crowd, so you could you could go watch those technical demos from nine to nine to nine forty five, and then there were there was a um, there was like an array of fences in the flat area at the bottom where each uh, country had a had a sign on. So if you were going to go meet you know the Australians, for example you'd roll over to that fence and wait for that clinic to be arranged. But we did, um, we did uh, 10 to noon was the first session. And then we had lunch from noon to like one thirty. One thirty to three thirty was the afternoon on snow session. And then at four thirty, there were indoor presentations that happened. And then after that, there was a keynote. Yeah. So it, and then dinner. So it, it went from early, to pretty late in the day if you wanted to take all that in and then there was obviously there was overlap on the outdoor and indoor sessions so there's there's way more offered than you can do yeah you know so in order to to arrange like what you wanted to participate in the um the inner ski folks like the the group that the volunteers that that coordinated and, and sort of built the event used it i'm looking at it now because i can't remember the name they use an app called Eventos. And when you register for Eventos, there was a code that got you into the Interski 2023 events. And then you could see all the sessions. And then you you just basically went in and registered for what you wanted to participate in. And then you showed up, you know, where we, where you were supposed to be when it when it took off. Oh, cool. You know, it's, fun, it was really, weekend. really well organized. Really cool yeah. to see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't. I I definitely. I get on a couple of the keynotes because um, those were live live stream, which was awesome. Yes. And yeah, I was what I was listening to those at like ten thirty in the morning here, yeah. and I listened to the uh, Slovenian one with the Ski Easy program or Ski Easy project that mm -hmm. they're working on, and and that was awesome. And, and Jeb Boyd had kind of clued me into that. He had, he has seen some stuff or you know, through his travels, you know, he knew a little bit of what was going on there, what they've been working on in that project and mm -hmm. thought I'd like that. And I, I jumped on that one and listened to that. That was really, really interesting. 
um, you know, very scientific in terms of um, how they're applying movements and the kinetics to um, getting kids and anybody to learn how to ski and what's important to the activities and stuff that they build. That was really cool. Did you see any of that? Or because I know I don't think you skied with the Slovenians. No, I didn't ski with them, and I didn't catch that keynote. But like you said, like they're they're available online and yeah. Um, but but um, when you were talking about the science and 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 what one of the things that was was really uh, cool was how m- most of the teams what they're presenting is based on science, but because these mm. folks are so polished at presentation, like it doesn't come across like uh, right. you know bo- boring in any way, and 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 because of because of the fact that it's backed up with science and research there's a confidence like this this yeah. this works and we know why and here it is yeah you know? um yeah but the keynotes were 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 like that they were they're just you know great presentations oh yeah and i um i watched ann shirlings which was mm-hmm. killer man she she just knocked that she didn't knock it out of the park man she the, the ball's still flying she that was really good it was really neat to um her project she's done there with her grad work mm-hmm. on uh, gender equality and equity and that and uh just the data she had and, and the research she did to come up with um I wouldn't say solutions, but came up with things that move things forward that, that really can happen in the ski and mm-hmm. snowboard world was in teaching world. It was really cool. Um, I well, think there's going to be a lot more talked about with that one. At the closing ceremonies on Friday, they, uh, the, the inter-ski committee was giving out awards for, you know, like, for example, the, the San Marino team from the, what was formerly the Italian team. There's like some politics yeah. there, but I guess Italy didn't want to didn't want to sponsor the team anymore. So the little mm-hmm. landlocked nation of San Marino said that they would sponsor the team. So those those people showed up, those skiers and snowboarders, and they are just magical with their enthusiasm. So they were given award by the committee for their enthusiasm. But Anne was awarded at the end of that, the end of the end of the show with the big award for for her presentation, and it just it just knocked everybody's socks off. Like. Yeah, yeah. So well done. Think, and she's such a she's so smart and yeah. so polished. Yeah. 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 If we can do anything, I mean, we're begging. We we want to have Ann on. I want to have Ann. I know you do mm-hmm. to on um, the podcast. We're with us anytime. And uh hopefully we can get her on and chat a little bit about stuff and definitely her her grad work and that because it's hugely important. Yeah. It was really neat. I mean, she went right down to the ground level of uh the ski instructors and how things were assigned and who gets what and how it affects long term what people do in their psyche. I mean, you know, men and women, it was really cool. Um, well, and I mean, and, was, and, and, and I, and I, I am on the people skills task force with Anne and skied with her at, at Academy last year. And just knowing the other pressures that she has a new mom, she, she had her baby yeah. there and beautiful little baby. And, you know, and like traveling as a new mom and having the pressure of delivering this keynote and having, you know, the pressure of just coming off of a, graduate program and being under the microscope of being on a national team like she's she's pretty superhuman like it, it yeah very very impressive yeah 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 it's gonna be good and um so so you you said a couple of the teams um you know the couple of the countries mm-hmm. uh demo teams you ski with in presentations i mean mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about you know and you can go i don't know what was the highlight of day one what was your highlight of day two i'm interested in what you're bringing back for the teams you skied with because you skied i know with the australians yeah and yeah. um 
Yeah. And, so, and well, yeah. How was I, that? How, are I, you ready to go to Australia this summer? I'd love to. <laughs> and, and the kind of Australians are so cool. Like they're so cool. They're just so amicable and chill, you know, and comical. The greatest expressions on the planet, you know. Like, and this wasn't an inner ski. This was 25 years ago at Perkwood uh, skiing with this Aussie guy, and one of the people we were skiing with fell and is like sliding on his face and chest and comes to a stop completely like prone right on and he goes oh flat like a lizard drinking like how can <laughs> how can you not love skiing with people who say stuff like that right? no, but anyway yeah like so mon monday uh monday morning i went with australian tech and that was led by um tom langtree and then uh, uh monday afternoon i was with the australian teaching group and that was a girl named angela pope who was really excellent and then that that uh, late afternoon, I went to the indoor session with the Germans who were presenting on guest experience, which was terrific. Uh, Tuesday morning, I skied with the Croatian team and they presented their technical system, like an overview of their their beliefs about skiing. Um, Tuesday afternoon was Canadian tech. Uh, and then Thursday uh early evening i went to the indoor presentation that jeff marks did as the, the alpine coach for the canadian team and, and and holy cow jeff has been on our show mm. um just just an unbelievably great presentation he is so so good at it you know and yeah. um i asked him about coming back on to our show to talk about that presentation he did and he, and he agreed to do that and, and i've uh, you know it it was just it's inspiring to see somebody that good present um, I, I got so much stuff from those guys jeff and perry and jeff was sending most of it out they yeah. were doing those 60 second shots mm -hmm. but they were doing stuff that they were pulling not just from their team they were pulling i mean they had maddie on there i had she had matt boyd's spoke with jeff and did one of those little 60 second shots yeah. or six um and they were putting so much stuff out of what was going on and and jeff got an award you spoke about the awards i mean he got the yeah. collaboration award right which is right. pretty cool i mean i think that's i mean as i talked to you and i listened to george thomas talk to a bunch of you that were over there talked to kathy and talked to um you know maureen and tina as i said and some other folks um you could hear it. the cool thing is i think almost the piece it's hard to tangibly bring home is that collaboration piece that just how you interacted and how you guys worked together and shared information mm -hmm. i mean you can bring it home and do that but it's pretty hard to come home and talk about that or to, like do a program on that isn't it um i i suspect it's hard to really and, and i'm sort of speculating as an outsider because we're i'm not in those conversations with those people but when you when you see the when you see the americans the australians and the canadians present for example about teaching there's so much overlap but like you when you know richard jameson teaches with with michael and robin at at heavenly so like there that that connection is is obvious and we at national academy last year we skied with perry from canada for for two days so like there the involvement is um there's a lot of there's a lot of commingling on on those three yeah. teams the states the australians and the canadians so the collaboration happens and i have to imagine from their perspective it's it's like when you sit in a meeting and can't remember who came up with the great idea but that's where you all start heading anyway and like it it's evident that they they, they all work together you know yeah 
Um, but anyway, back to your question on, on Wednesday morning, Wednesday was a half day. Uh, yeah. Wednesday afternoon was free, but Wednesday morning I went with the Swiss team and, and their technical presentation and got to ski with Kelly Weibel, who's been yeah. on our show and who is just an absolute like Instagram <laughs> sensation with 90,000 followers yeah. or something like that. But so cool to get to meet him in person yeah. and, and, and hang out for a couple hours and ski. And then Jesus, like you watch him ski, ski on Instagram. That's one thing, yeah. but like when you can hear the ski, like the snow screaming underneath his skis, that's just a totally <laughs> different thing. And you see how fast he went and then how yeah. fast, like you don't go that fast when you're skiing the same pitch. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, Thursday morning was, um, I went with the Austrians. They did a bump, a bump, uh, yeah. their, their, be, their beliefs about bumps. Um, yeah. and I got to ski that morning with Eliza Koontz, who's our national CEO. We kind of piled around that morning and it was a lot of fun skiing with her. Um, that afternoon on Thursday, I went with the checks and they, they were doing a presentation on mirror neurons, which, which is, is pretty heavy duty science. There's a, uh, you know, the long and short of it is we have a, we have a collection of, of nerve cells in, in the front of our brain that we share with at least chimpanzees and birds. And that cluster of nerves gives us the ability to copy and mimic and mirror what other members of our species do. So it's like, like maybe you watch somebody hit their thumb with a hammer and you make a face, you know, that, that kind of it's, and I don't want to, I'm going to say the word telepathy. I'm not trying to make it weird, but there, there's a lot of stuff that happens um, outside or underneath of our sensory awareness that we react to, you know, with mirror neurons. And then we have a brain structure called the amygdala that like anybody can go on and read about, but like, these folks are starting to look into that science and how it can make us better at getting people um, to progress through uh, being good skiers. So I went with them on Thursday afternoon, and my partner was Angela from Monday afternoon, the Australian teaching session. And we had a great time skiing together and mimicking each other. And, and, and then that late afternoon indoor session, I went to the check session and they had filmed, they had videoed us in the afternoon and they were putting the videos up on screen. So like they would show me following Angela and vice versa and how our arms were exactly the same at the same part of the turn and how our, you know, the angles of our shins matched, even though that wasn't necessarily the focus, but you know, we were directed to watch, like watch her and do exactly what she does, but no particular body part. But when you see the way our bodies were doing what each, you know, what each other's body was doing, it was, it was really something. And what they're trying to do with that is to figure out how to use that reality of how our brains work to make us better at teaching our students. You know, and, and, it, and it's, it's cool heavy. the science, man. It's well, it's and, cool to see those little things. You said it, the science. I mean, every team's using some kind of scientific something to try to put things forward, and that's that's where it's cool. They're all they get together and share that what each of them are trying to do. Yeah, and the and the Lithuanians are doing the same thing the Czechs are doing, and there there's a little bit of overlap between those two teams. I think there was some. Uh, I'm gonna I'll use the word politics. This just comes from discussions with the Czech team members that. Uh, some of the folks who are now on the Lithuanian team um, used to be on the Czech team, 
but wanted to go this direction a little faster than the Czech uh, organization was willing to go. So they sort of branched off, but there's overlap yeah. in their work. And and there was nothing yeah. but good feelings between the two countries. Like it's all, yeah. it's all good. Um, but, you know, so both of those countries presented that. And then Friday morning, I went with the German team and they were presenting on mindfulness, which also overlapped into that that mm. introspection, uh, introspection kind of realm, which is like tied directly into our people skills. Yeah. So it was neat to see how they were approaching connecting with people, having been on the people skills task force and and, and knowing that topic pretty well, um, where they're coming from. So I think I think there's some potential there to to sort of uh, follow their footsteps and, and integrate some of that into what we're doing. And then uh, Friday afternoon was my last on snow session. I, I wanted to go with some U.S. on snow session just to see the presentation. Yeah. So I ended up going with Ryan Christofferson for his freestyle session. And it was a it was a hoot. it was a hoot. <laughs> he did a great job with, um, I mean, obviously great skiing and beautiful demos and just a lot of comedy. And, you know, it just had that American and Ryan's like a total California dude, but he like, he just had that American casualness that I didn't see really from the other teams, you know, no. not, not that he's not a complete professional, but he made us all laugh, man. And it, and it was like, <laughs> this is really fun. You know, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed skiing with him. Yeah. Your T your T by talk, your T bar talk with him was fun, man. With him, you had him and Jordan on the T bar talk. So that was Correct. cool on the Instagram. Right. That was right. cool. Yeah. 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 The old T bar injury was like, she hasn't ridden a T bar. So she's like, Oh, two people riding the T bar. I'm like, yes, two people. Well, J bar is one. I was, I think I said this on a, on a previous podcast that I would never ride a T bar again with Troy Walsh just because of our, <laughs> our height I, difference. And the last, the last, T-bar I rode with Troy was at the um, National Academy at Breckenridge, Breckenridge yeah. and it, it's that T-bar that kind of bends the corner. And we're, yeah. we we bent the corner, and Troy was on the inside, and I was on the outside. And the like the T-bar's on his ass, but it's up in my armpit. <laughs> and he's like at, he's like laughing. What's going on over there? You know. But anyway, I end up riding a T-bar with Troy again. But then, this time it was a little like less eventful because it was a straight shot. <laughs> And there you go. No turns in it. <laughs> Didn't go around. Uh, yeah. So, so what's Angelo Ross, the skier, bringing home himself? Like, was it, what's something? Is there one thing or kind of a theme you're bringing home as the skier? You know, you personally, the skier, not the. Um, you may share it, but I mean, it's it's more like you wanted to put it into your own skiing. Well, I mean, my my uh, my barometer on speed and and accuracy has been recalibrated for sure. Like when you. You know, I, any any sport you do, whether it's mountain biking or skateboarding or skiing or, you know, cross-country skiing or, or road biking or whatever it is, if you want to get good, you follow somebody who's better than you, you know, which probably ties into the mirror neuron thing that the Czechs and the Lithuanians yeah. are doing, right? Right. Um, but yeah, you, you can't ski with 25 national teamers from around the planet and not recalibrate your, your, um, your understanding of speed and accuracy so that that for sure was a big change but then you know like it's funny because um i get feedback from from my coaches and things here and um i was just just sort of eavesdropping on a conversation that 
that Kevin Jordan was having with somebody he was partnered with in one of the sessions where we were both participants. And I heard him explain something in a particular way that I've been working on. And he drew a little thing in the snow and the way he was standing. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh my God. And it like totally clicked for me. So I started integrating some of those changes into my skiing on Thursday after I overheard him say it. So like, you know, it was wild. I, I, Harold and I went out to dinner with um, Emily Spiker and, and Debbie Moore on on um, on Saturday night, but, and they're they're both really enthusiastic members and and work at Whitetail in, in Pennsylvania, and uh, talking about like our takeaways from the event. They're like, and, and Harold and I, I obviously both had takeaways from it, and you know sometimes people's perspective is like if you're an examiner or you're on ed staff or whatever there's no room for improvement but they were like kind of relieved to hear that we were also like making changes to not only our skiing but also like i'm going to integrate some of this stuff into my teaching you know yeah. and so yeah i mean it, if you're if you're paying attention at all it's impossible to not come away without some kind of change yeah. don't you do What's the one thing you're bringing home is that, which I know you're bringing more than one. So people are going, Angela's only bringing one. No, but what's, what's the one thing that like really is the top of the list in the, in the teaching educator? I mean, you've been that forever. And that's mm -hmm. just even not, the, not even that you taught for 20 years in public school. It's like you just love the learning parts more to me. I mean, that whole learning, exploring and getting people in that learning mode, like what's something you're bringing home that you got from Interski? You're going, hmm, this is cool. I honestly, I, I mean, I hope this doesn't come across as crass, but excuse me, um, I've, I felt really validated in what we do. I, 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 I think in terms of technical skiing, like what, what <laughs> the Austrians and the Swiss, man, like they're, they're, they ski in the womb and like they're, they're, technical demos and their show demos were amazing and the japanese the precision and the speed and the accuracy of the japanese team there's no question when you look at those teams that there's there's room for growth in technical skiing you know what i mean yeah. but when it came to the teaching and the people skills it was more of a validation that what we've done for the past five ten years what what uh what the what the teaching skills task force is doing what the people skills task force is doing <coughs> excuse me the the other countries from around the world are absolutely watching us and trying to do that and so it, it was more of a validation and a confidence builder and it's like all right full full speed of good full speed ahead like how how good at this can we get you know in terms of just like intern interpersonal skills and adult learning theory and 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 we're very good at teaching kids but i think adult learning theory is something that's not as fleshed out um or as applied in what we do as, as teaching kids is kids obviously an important and a large demographic but we teach a lot of adults too so i i think it was uh my teaching takeaway is like what we're doing is really good and we should continue to to do it and get better at it you know cool I like that. So, um, everybody makes some connections at, uh, at any event we go to. Usually if they don't, it's like, what were you doing? I mean, that's one of the cool things I think about, about going to these events. You hear people that get to go to national Academy, even those that go to master's Academy, the connections they make with the people they ski with in their group separate of the, 
the, the person leading it. But I mean, what are some of the connections? Were there some connections you made with folks um, that you'll keep going that might have been in your group? Like uh, you were talking about Angela mm-hmm. um, that was with you when you were with the, the checks and that. Well, yeah, I mean, you you end up like probably accidentally seeing these same people over and over again in your in your group. You know, so I ended up skating with a kid from the uh, kid, 35 years old. Um, (laughs) from the, from the Swedish national team, Eric, who was really great. And we ended up in like three or four sessions together and, um, um, what met one of those kids from, and he is a kid, he's in his twenties from San Marino named Yuri Nicolucci, who was just an absolute sweetheart of a human being and like an ear to ear smile all the time. And I ran into him in the airport. We were on the same flight out of, uh, Kittala on the way back to Helsinki at the end of the event. And everybody's groggy and tired and you make eye contact and he just comes over and like gives you a hug and great meeting. You hope to see you in four years at the next one. And then you, you hook up on social media and you follow each other on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And yeah, I mean, you just, you just make these, these connections with these people. And I think, you know, what absolutely what eases eases the transition is the fact that you're all there for the same thing, just to have good time on skis, you know, or snowboard. You know, so yeah, you, you, totally, totally excellent meeting people. Yeah. And, and the um, the curiousness, the willingness to explore seems to be huge because you listen to all the different countries and they're there to show kind of their stuff in terms of what they believe in and that. But they're also from everything I saw online, everything you hear and read and talk to the videos I see, you know, all the countries, team members are looking to see what other countries are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really looking to explore and, you know, maybe some of that's to, to kind of set the barometer of where everybody fits in and how they're doing, but mm-hmm. there definitely seems to be a lot of, um, I want to learn. That, well, yeah, absolutely. There is. And then, and then what was cool, like in the, from the technical aspect, like one of my takeaways was, um, when you, when you see the way a country presents their beliefs about technical skiing, you know, it's like our exam process. when, when a candidate comes to one of our exams, what what they're basically there to do is to demonstrate an understanding of a curriculum. But you can't under you can't demonstrate an entire curriculum in a in a one day right. skiing exam. So we look at the center line, like we want to look at wedge turns, we want to look at wedge Christie, open parallel, dynamic parallel, right? And then we might modify one of those. We might change the shape of the dynamic turns or or whatever, but when you when you go to a presentation with a country like Croatia, as an example, um, the Croatian movement pattern is pretty different from ours. And they have a really, really big vertical upward movement in their wedge turns, you know, and, and in, in transition and wedge turns, they almost come to standing, like almost come to vertical. And then throughout the, the body of the turn, really settle down with a strong flexing movement onto the outside ski. It, it almost looks like an, like an Arlberg kind of, kind of a turn, you know? And, and then you start to, to say, well, look at their high end ski, look how good they are at high end. So they've arrived at this really, really refined dynamic skiing with a movement pattern. That's basically the opposite of ours. So then you start to say, well, where, where's the overlap happen? You know? Yeah. And you and then what it what really struck me was when you get to like the second phase of their technical progression, where we we call it Wedge Christie and we think in terms of Wedge Christie, 
And so our our brain, the American brain, starts that turn in a wedge and then finishes it with parallel skis. They call it, they call that piece of their development um, parallel wedge, parallel hyphen wedge. And so they they come at that from the opposite um, movement pattern. They start in a in a parallel traverse, which is, you know, parallel skis, and then they do that upward move and then settle down onto the outside ski to complete it in a wedge. And when when I see that, and I say, well, so Americans think in wedge Christie and they think in parallel wedge, those are presumably opposite. Um, but it really just depends on how you draw the turn on the snow, doesn't it? Yeah. We have yeah. a tendency when we when we use our on snow chalkboard, we start in transition and we draw three phases of the turn and end with the next transition, right? And then we draw the next turn. So we yeah. basically draw C's. They draw fall line to fall line. Yeah. So is it really the opposite or are they just like looking at it from halfway through where we start to look at it, you know, but then I'm curious how that affects how their members think about skiing. Cause you yeah. know, when you see a really contrived wedge Christie, it's very obvious. Now I'm wedging and then here comes the foot. Like now I'm parallel. Like, I wonder if they, if their people do the same thing, but they go, well, here I am parallel. And then whoop, here comes this big wedge. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like yeah, the, the things yeah. we see in exams when people are contriving yeah. a move, like do they do they see it too, but just the opposite way? Right. Because <laughs> what, what boils, is he doing? <laughs> right. Because what it boils down to is like there just aren't that many ways the human body can move. You right. know, and, and it was really cool to watch the Austrian bump progression. They they do a thing they call, um, they call it a, a turn and a half. And and this is part of their national like bump curriculum, which they have. Like this is how you teach bumps, right? You start with this and go to this and go to this and this, and that's how they teach it all across uh-huh. Austria, right? But they they do this they do this thing where they traverse, and then they they retract. They do like a retraction move to 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 initiate this turn, and then they do another complete retraction turn with a pole plant. So traverse, retract, and turn, and then do another turn, but with a pole plant. And they do that the whole way down the hill. That's to teach people how to shorten their legs to, you know, eventually start to absorb a bump. But um, that wasn't, that's not how they ski. Like when you watch them ski, they, they lengthen the outside leg the same way we do, but they've got the, the versatility in their curriculum to say, all right, well, this is a special, a special case. This is bump skiing. So we need to make a big deal out of this pole plant. We need to make a big deal out of these legs getting shorter. So you have the ability to take these moves that are sort of outside the center line, but they have applicability in certain situations the same way we do, you know, like we, we have an obvious center line that gets us to dynamic skiing, but that doesn't mean that retraction turns aren't important. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that hop turns aren't important, you know, but all the countries understand that those things all have applicability in different situations. And so in order to be a really rounded skier, you've got to be able to do them all. And in order to be a really rounded ski instructor, you've got to be able to do them all and demonstrate them all and like teach people how to get there. You know, yeah. and that's just common. That was a common thread through the whole event. Yeah. 
So, um, obviously we have the podcast, so you get to share all kinds of stuff like we just did for the last 45 minutes, an hour here mm-hmm. on Angelo's experience at Interski. And I guarantee there'll be more and more coming out. So you have, you know, the platform of the podcast here to, to share that stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'd asked you, like, I'm curious as to, um, you know, how you'll share this information. Like, I know some of it will be probably put into your teaching. Some of it will just blend in, but like, um, and I asked that and it wasn't in our, the initial kind of thought that I said to you, but I'm, I'm curious, like, do you hope people come up and ask you about your experience? I hope they do. And I, and some people already have like people from my home mountain have asked me to, to do a little, you know, a little presentation for the, for our staff. Um, but I, I, I have a, you know, as a, as a, as a former science teacher, I have an interest in the, the, the bio, I was a biology teacher. So I have an interest in the biology, the mirror neurons and the mindfulness stuff from the, the Czechs, the Lithuanians and the Germans really struck me. And I, I have sort of a rough draft right now of an article in mind that I would like to write as a, as a member of the national people skills task force that will, um, integrate in a very real way what the people skills task force has done and what the teaching skills task force has done that that connection when those folks started to present it and i and i um the presentations i say didn't like or i saw didn't explicitly make that connection but that's just like a personal personal interest i have so i i think i'm going to spend some time looking into that and and probably come out with an article about that can i there's an obvious like uh intuitive overlap between people skills and teaching this connection is the real deal like this is why they're connected and i'd like to be able to to explain that in a way that makes sense in a concise way that's backed up with some with some with some science you know and so that's how i intend to share um you know that that part of it moving forward that's cool. Yeah, because I, I ask because, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, well, the team goes there and some of our members go there. Some of our ed staff goes as, you know, on their own, like you did and Harold and Tina and, and Sue and mm-hmm. and um, Maureen and who else? I don't know. Those, uh, Chris Sailor was there, mm-hmm. I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, Pam, I Pam, Green. Pam Green. Pam Green. Pam Green, Pam Green was there. Yep. Pam was yep. there. You know, so and I'm definitely missing some others that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think everybody brings it back in a different way. You can't mm-hmm. expect each person to come back and 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 i think there's different ways and one way is if you know they went it's just ask them what their experience or ask them who they skied with you know and what hit home with them i i think there's a lot that can be shared without you know because i know you like to write and you got the podcast here and mm-hmm. i think everybody that'll come back will have things that i don't even know they're sharing when they're doing it just some things you put into your mm-hmm. kind of repertoire or like you said some things just confirmed right for you you know really said no i'm on the right path here which is cool yeah that's important and uh and you know as the as the education chair for the east like we're we're in the process now as we as we get on the other side of national academy and we start to meet as an education committee for the eastern region of the of the u.s um one of the things we're going to do is look at uh the existing curriculum the events calendar what do we want to keep what do we want to change and what do we want to add so we are in a position to add events the next year's event calendar for our membership that will that will flesh some of this stuff out but like what what's so important for membership to realize is that and hopefully this podcast can help in, in some small way is that there is a direct link between this inner ski event that only happens every four years 
and and the events that our members can sign up for to 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 update their certification you know what i mean like yeah it, it it doesn't come out of nowhere and it certainly just doesn't come out of the us it, it's a global effort and and seeing seeing what these other teams are doing and pushing them and they push us and and then we all get better because of that it it's really exciting to realize how directly connected you are to a global uh community uh, of, of snow sports instructors yeah yeah it's cool Oh, well, wish they could have been there. You got to wait four years to try to go next That's time. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and, and nobody, know, we don't know where it'll be yet to come December. Right. We're supposed to know where that next Interski event will be. Interski. Yeah, where they put bids in or everything goes in as bids or something in the f- summer, I think. And then it comes out in the fall or something like that. September yeah, it goes in or something. There's a process and it involves yeah. in, in each country. It involves the, the resort that wants to host it and then the, and then the certifying agency. So like for us, it would be. You know, like theoretically, hypothetically, it would be some resort and then they would contact PSIA and say, let's host it here. And then together they work to put in a bid and then the the international group looks at that and, and chooses. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, you went, man. It was I'm, fun. I'm a little, fun. I'd love, I'd love to have it in North America, so I don't have to do like 65 hours of travel again. <laughs> Dude, that was a long way. It was hearing everybody though. It was oh my, and I think I think Brian and Alex Smith got stuck in Helsinki on the way home. They missed some connector right away when they were coming out and getting to. And yeah, I think they were there for quite a while. Well, and um, when you you talk to the Australian team, and they like they're on like a 30 hour plane ride. Yeah. You know, or you talk to the folks from like Chile or, or Argentina, like they yeah. literally traveled like the entire planet. That's pretty far. And then, and then Sweden, I was, I saw something on Facebook. They flew in a, a second bus driver. So yeah, they could just drive straight through. They went, I think it was 140 miles yeah. on the bus. They rode the bus to 140 miles to get home. Well, and some of the, <laughs> so, the Czechoslovakians drove like, so, like I, yeah. I talked to the, the one girl from Czechoslovakia who presented the indoor session and they, they drove, it was a four day drive, yeah. but they had plans to stop on the way and ski and, yeah. and see different sites. It, it's like, you know, you and me driving to, if we drove to Utah. Yeah. Now that's yeah. them driving to Finland. So, yeah. yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. But no, the, I think the coolest thing for me was just seeing the excitement for, for, you know, skiing and snowboarding education. And you could see in everybody that went, the post, the text I would get, the back and forth during the week. Yeah. Um, glad I had my phone on, uh, you know, I have the do not disturb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. guys definitely had fun at certain times today. And, and it was like, uh, but um, it was neat. It's neat to see that excitement. I think that's one of the takeaways. I hope that people, if they paid attention to what was going on on Facebook and all and the Instagram and that, it's just the excitement. Cause I think it, it, it puts an energy into our team, our organization, and just into teaching skiing and snowboarding that, um, that's a takeaway in itself. Just mm-hmm. the group coming back with the energy that they coming back with. I mean, you could see the, the amount of fun that everyone was having, which is cool. Well, I, um, geeking yeah, out. I, I think Kim Seavers posted to somebody. I think it might have been to Pam Green. You know, if you want to want to truly geek out on on skiing and riding education, you go to Interski because it's the most geeky you can get in terms of just doing all the facets of what we do. Well, and don't fool yourself either. If you want to rip, you got to enter ski because there is some ripping yeah. skiing and snowboarding. Yeah. And I, yeah, it was funny. Like, um, I'd call Amanda at when I was ready to go to bed, I'd call her, but it was only like three o'clock in the afternoon here. Yeah. And I'd get a full night's sleep 
and call her when I woke up and she was getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> so that was why. But I, I do want to say this because I, I just thought this was such a class move and this was really special. The the American team for the for the um the demos, like the, the mm-hmm. on the demo slope when the when the whole team skied down, how special that was and the and the the one team vibe coming through. So you like you you watch Krill and the adaptive crew like leading the charge. And then you just saw this mob of alpine skiers and snowboarders and tele skiers just integrated. They took up the entire width and length of that slope. And then some of them were hitting the jump and some of them are synchroing. And, and it was it was an absolute party coming down the hill. But it was so easy to miss mm-hmm. our three cross country team members on lookers left kicking <laughs> yeah. straight up the slope. Yeah. And they're kicking up and they're kicking up and they're kicking up and you're like going, Mike, they're flying up the hill, you know, Emily yeah. and Zeke and Tully. And they're just just flying up the left side on this on the, uh, along this B net. But as soon as the last Alpiners pass them, they drop in on the slope and they're making telly turns down the hill like on skate skis. Right. Yeah. And Tully's doing it switch. Right coming down on their nordics to be the last visual on the hill was the nordic skiing just as a nod to the the roots of nordic skiing in the scandinavian countries and it was just a beautiful class act to see i don't i don't know whose idea that was to like just take a nod you know just nod to the scandinavian countries but what a beautiful thing to do so whoever whoever thought of that kudos to them because it what yeah. what a classy move that was and yeah, that was cool yeah and we did i did see some of that because um you had the um you could see the demo here with the live stream mm-hmm. so um you could catch quite a bit of the skiing coming down it was pretty wild what was the team that um had it they were all lit up um, croatia man they, croatia and, and if you if you can catch a glimpse of their uniforms in daylight there yeah. they 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 had the most outrageous uniforms their jacket was like it looked like a comic book graphic yeah with a, it was a, a woman's face on the left side and then all like war like blammo like you know the old batman comics and whatnot but so their jacket looked like a comic book and their their ski pants looked like jeans but they were <laughs> ski pants and they and they were just tricked out you know that's cool man the other thing well, they had because of their big up move in the top of that turn their poles were about as long as i am high <laughs> and I was and I was thinking of Dave Wynn the whole time, so I called him and I got him. I said, "You should have seen how long the Croatians' poles were." He said, "Tell them sixty six percent of their height." I, said, I don't think that's going to work for them. <laughs> okay, coach. Yeah, he's going to be measuring all our poles, man. I'm glad I'm at sixty six percent. I might be at sixty five percent, so I'm probably okay. He'll probably tell me I'm too short now. Yeah. But what do you do? But hey, this is it's been awesome, and um, I know you and I will talk more about this, and things will come up during the podcast. But hopefully, we'll have uh, you know maybe we can catch a hold of Ann, and it'd be great to have Ann Sherling on here in the next month. And then um, I think we're going to try to connect and definitely have uh, Kathy Brennan, our Eastern Region CEO, who was there. Hopefully, on in the next maybe in the next two weeks here we'll try to get a hold of kathy and record one maybe next week and get it up then or right after that as you head into uh national academy because you're going west going west yep there you go cool hey um thanks to all our friends out there that listen and um hopefully uh, if you love the podcast give it a like subscribe on youtube um 
it helps uh, let them let our uh, sponsors and friends know the podcast that help us out to keep us going here because Blizzard Technica has been super helpful and supportive of Angelo and I on and off the snow and also Nick's boot fitting uh, Nick and his crew over at Mount Snow and Nick's boot fitting been phenomenal and of course we have Miles from uh, Rollerblade Miles Cotter Sparrow who's we're kind of joining up a little bit another friend of the podcast sponsor here that uh, we're going to be working with a little bit to go Rollerblade man keep those legs in motion and it's very close to to uh angelo's gig on the skateboard but he does like the the four wheels of the skateboard yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little biased there <laughs> i don't blame you i don't know you've been doing that a long time but hey thanks everybody and uh this has been the fall line with chaos and company <laughs>